Welcome to the New Type Flash podcast. This is a podcast where every other week we take you through Gundam's Universal Century in a more or less chronological order and try to add insight and random knowledge and some humor along the way. Usually we get at least one of these things, right? Uh, that that doesn't sound scripted, Just but yeah, whatever. Um, this week we're starting the third and final movie of the original Gundam series, Encounters in Space. Uh, we're intending this to go for two episodes, but as we talk more and more, it's probably going to go three. Um, so prepare yourself for that. Uh, before we get started, let's introduce our host. My name is Lane. We also have Luke. Hello. And Scotty. Yeah, yeah, we're going we through talking about the changes to the timeline. We're gonna oh, Scotty's gonna have some opinions, so this may go to three. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> M- mostly facts. Like, yeah, I mean, I have some opinions on it, but it's mostly facts about it. And it's, uh, you know, what we can say is just that the whole end part here is in compressed space, and so what's happened to it is, you know, some bits came out in one dimension, and some in another, and some in another. And new type magic. And a lot of fucking drugs. And so, yeah, I think this is actually a pretty cool um, part segue into the the movie. So, all right, they're in space, yada, yada, yada. We know that from the end of the uh, second movie. Um, But uh, Char is um, going after White Base, and Sela senses Char. She's like, she knows that Char is coming after them. Um, what I thought it was funny is like, and, and this gets explored a lot throughout this entire movie is, um, Char's just not as good as we thought he was, um, as far as like new type abilities go, because Sayla's like, man, that's Char, that's my brother. And Char's like, I wonder if Sayla's there. I wonder if she stayed with them, you know, like things like yeah, that. I don't know if this was the way that they just cut the movie together or, or what, but I didn't get this sense of like this whole movie. I kind of was like, he's not as smart as I thought he was. He's not as powerful as I thought he was. He kind of sucks. So he, I, that impression in the show. So I think, I think we have to look at it in a few different views, right? So origin very much pumps Shar up as a character. Um, I think the TV show, I mean, it's, I, I feel like when they start off Shar in the TV show, he's kind of like a, bad guy trope that's going to be a bad guy throughout the entire series you know like always ch- you know he's he's the the bad guy chasing um the scooby-doo crew right like i'll get yeah. you next time and and the movies he's uh kind of a mix of both of those but when it i think when it comes down to it like char is better than most people but he's not better than most other people yeah. like like clearly as far as like a pilot goes he's always second to um amuro um and new type abilities he's got them but there's a lot of people that have more abilities than him yeah he's not a lala he's i'm trying to think of a jedi reference but i just realized right now trying to think of one that i've forgotten the jedi's names so right <laughs> he is He's like a, a Jedi that's a really, really, really damn good pilot and just has a little bit of the force ability latently and no one's ever taught him how to like, you know, pull it out, that sort of thing. Yeah, he's like the the eternal second place in everything he does is like is the way I'm, I get it from from the original series yeah. and the origin 
I don't get that vibe at all. In, in Origin, he's very clearly the best, but he's also not interacting with a lot of new types in Origin. Yeah, he ends up being Lala's silver medal too. Yep. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> harsh. So, but he, but he is good tactically, right? Like at least in theory. Yeah, well, and they um, and they present that at the start of the movie because at the end of the second movie, White Base has just taken off from Jaburo, and it is supposed to be a distraction. And it's supposed to look like it's headed for the moon. That's not what it's doing. And Shar is the only one that sees that and recognizes that. And that's why he's able to pursue. But he's not fast enough. So he sends Dren after them, who we have not seen in a long time. Yeah, so he said he, he has them, uh, Lieutenant Dren's um, fleet cut off white base so they can basically pincer them. Yep. And, uh, you know, you see a little bit of a skirmish. They are, um, they're, they're headed for side six, uh, which is a neutral, uh, colony. And, uh, there's a, again, a little bit of a skirmish and that you see some Rick doms now. So these are the doms that you see very briefly in the movies with the uh, black tri-stars and they're equipped for space. And so they're called Rick doms. Uh, I forgot to look up again why they're called Rick doms. There's a reason. And I forgot it years ago. <laughs> yeah um it, it's interesting like throughout this whole point uh Sayla is going back and forth she's like a very important in this movie as opposed to like the first two movies where she was there but she wasn't as important she's like front and center in in movie three i feel yep yep um but yeah so she's like doubting her decision to stay with the federation um yeah i, I had this sense like this whole movie that um, the the whole like cancellation of the the show seemed to kind of like force the plot along a little bit really abruptly but I, I i don't think i ever got that feeling when i was watching the original show so it might have been just hmm. you know i get kind of the opposite like the show yeah. it doesn't feel until the last i don't know maybe five episodes to me that or maybe even three that it really just like gets a lot of stuff crammed in there somewhat in this stretch but uh, yeah yeah well, it's it's funny because um when we, we went back and watched um episode 37 through 39 for this as well which we'll discuss in a little bit but um i i accidentally started off with episode 27 which the first five minutes of episode 27 are Amaro giving an explanation of the mobile G armor and like all the different optimizations that can be made to it. So like they definitely weren't like stretched for time at that point in the series. No, no, <laughs> no. Wasn't it, was it originally supposed to be a 50 episode series and then it got cut yes. short? The ratings were so yeah. bad. I knew, it, it, I knew it started the weird trend of 43 episodes, but the only other, here's some Gundam trivia. You guys know what the only other Gundam show is to get canceled for bad ratings before it finished? Gundam Wing. I don't know. Oh, oh you hurt me. You hurt me. Gundam Wing's terrible. Okay, let's be hurt clear. Here. Uh, Gundam X. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Which was the show that aired after Gundam Wing. It aired uh, the year after. Well, I say the year after. I mean, those things started up. Like Wing ended, and I think two weeks later, X started. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever remember watching that back when it came out. That was like a 
much later after I realized I was a fan. Yeah. The fun part with X is you can actually imagine it as a alternate future for universal century and it kind of works, but this is way tangent territory now. All right. So, um, Amaro surprise attacks, uh, Lieutenant Dren's fleet, which the, once they engage in battle, it reminded me a lot of, um, the battle of loom and how, um, Shar attacks, uh, not Revel's fleet, but the other fleet. Tianum fleet. Or was it? Yeah, the Tianum fleet. You know how you see like them fighting, and then like Shar Shar Zaku just like flies in and just starts ripping people apart. Well, that's what Amuro does in the Gundam. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty dramatic uh, improvement in his piloting abilities at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. I, throughout this whole like entry section, I kept getting these little like glimpses of pieces that I think were new animation um, because they were mm-hmm. kind of like jarringly better than everything else. Um, I don't know if they actually added new animation for the movie, they did. but it, yeah, no, you know. have actually. This was almost perfect timing with a note I took, Luke. Um, like even from the start, and really throughout this movie, I mean, th- this movie feels like it's almost all new animation. I mean, it's not literally, but man, like watching this thing on Blu-ray, it looked good. It looked really good. Well, especially, especially when you compare some of the scenes, like um, jumping ahead a little bit, like in Texas Colony, when, when Char gets his new mobile suit versus in the series, when Char gets the mobile suit, the mobile suit in the, in the series looks like it's like pencil drawn and filled in with a crayon. Whereas in the movie, it looks like mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. And I think this is also where that <laughs> yeah. thing comes in, where they, you know, with, when doing this for TV, I'm sure they were in a rush and didn't plan on these episodes, having some of this content at that point. And I, I wouldn't doubt if some yeah. of that comes into it. Cause even scenes like there's one later uh, that'll probably be towards the end of this episode that we talk about it with Bright and Sela. And it is 100% redone for the movie. And it's a scene of two people inside talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting like where they where they chose to spend their time in some of the instances like there's one part towards the end of the movie i don't even remember what it was but there's like a scene of like the whole crew there and it was very clearly pencil sketched and then just used mm-hmm. <laughs> so um they 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 fight back lieutenant dren's fleet pencil attack didn't really work that Dren's, well Dren's um, uh, so they start, they resume heading towards side six, uh, and we find out that Mirai's, um, fiance is there. Yep. So we have a, yeah, I have a note that says Cameron is a wuss. So. Yeah. So basically when the war started, he headed off there and this, this is going to be a few plot points like throughout this, this movie. Um, he, he, he heads to, um, side six, which is also known as the raw Republic. Um, I don't think they mentioned it much in the, in the movie, but basically um, they they just called it a neutral zone in the movie, but essentially um, side six uh, declared independence when the, when Zeon declared independence. um, One week Um, uh, war when Zeon was attacking all of the other colonies uh, side six went, Oh crap. And declared you know, quote unquote neutrality basically so that they wouldn't get, you know, annihilated. Like a lot of these other 
um, colony colony sides. And it's a Rhea Republic or Rhea. Uh, I think that's the right way to say it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the so oh, they're they're uh, a independent group of colonies now, but they're not at war with anybody. They're just like YOLO. We we're peaceful. I'd I'd made a note here as well that uh, Bright is like starts hearing about uh, Mirai's fiance before we see him, and he gets all super depressed. Yeah, he tries to play yeah. it cool and yeah. does a very bad job about it. Um, but yeah, then they really they does. get there and they're not allowed to use their weapons. And it's a really on the, the nose thing here. Yeah, he's it's literally red tape. Yeah, the lawyers tape everything up and prevent them from using their weapons. Right. Well, I like how the the explanation was: if you use it, it'll alert us. Yeah. <laughs> so the holes in your like they're gonna go. Right? Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh yeah, they're gonna inspect the tape afterwards. Okay, like. Maybe we fire the gun again when you're standing in front of it, looking at your tape. Um, so uh, one, one thing I, I didn't want to get too far in without skipping this. So there was a quick scene kind of setting up what's happening overall as the white base is getting to side six. And this is just before the scene of them arriving. Um, yep. Solomon, right? Uh, well, the, well, yeah, white base is setting to side six and then it cuts to Solomon and it explains how the Federation fleet is massing at Luna 2. Dozel, Solomon's commander, does not know why they're doing that yet. But he's preoccupied with, he's thinking, well, I want to show Cassilia that uh, Shar is so incompetent because, remember, Dozel had discharged Shar after the stuff with Garma, and Cassilia brought him back in. And so he's saying, I'm going to track down White Base. But because he doesn't know what the Federation is doing, uh, Dozel sends uh, one fleet out to try to intercept the white base and he sends out the Conscon fleet. So I just wanted to note that there is a Xeon fleet out there actively searching for white base at once they land at side six. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mirai meets up with her fiance and they're actually kind of like flirty initially. Um, yeah, sort stuff, of, but he's kind of like, yeah, he kind of, he's just kind of a douche. Yeah, he is. He's very clearly a pussy. Um, and but Bright gets angsty. Like he, he just like when he sees that Mirai is not like outright just like slapping the shit out of him. Bright gives us a little angstiness, and then like right after that, Mirai like she confronts her fiance and is basically like, "You, you ran off and left me and my family." And he's like, "Well, I was just getting to safety, and then you know I've like sent my people out looking for you." And she's like, well, why didn't you come looking for me, asshole? <laughs> yeah, and then at that point, uh, I think it's right after that Slager pops up. Oh, yeah. He pops and, up uh, and pops her fiance. You don't even see Slager pop up. You just see a hand reach in and grab his glasses <laughs> and pop them right in, the, right in the nose, which I thought was great. I actually wrote down Slager glasses snatch, <laughs> uh, which I thought was great. But he's I wanted to make a comment about him. He's like. In the movies, he's just kind of suddenly a valued member of the crew uh, versus, you know, the show. They kind of gradually introduced him and he kind of is just suddenly. I don't think he was like a valued member of the crew. I think he was a member of the crew that people dealt with. Um, When I say valued, I mean someone who gets screen time and and screen real estate like abruptly Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Like you get really very little introduction to him. I think he popped up at the end of movie two. And you just kind of like, he's just kind of there. And now he's suddenly like, yeah, just 
one of the three. Yeah, he's uh, that does in stuff. the movies. Honestly, I mean, I know why they didn't cut him out, and probably next episode we'll get to his like one thing that he does in the movies, other than punch Cameron in the face, uh, which is yeah, and and be like crazy misogy- misog- misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. Smack him every once in a while. Make sure they know what's going on. Oh, he's got some great quotes. Great, yeah. The uh, the show, like you said, kind of brings him in. Um, Origin does well, like almost everything with this series. Origin uh, handles it way better. He feels way more important. Uh, And and with the movies, yeah, like you completely would think this guy just showed up, and he sort of does. Uh, they get the job row and they're like, here's some guys coming with you now. They're on your ship now. <laughs> you, you need another yeah. pilot. Um, so yeah, now they're on side six. Um, and Amaro sees his dad for the first time since uh, the first movie. Yeah. And it's like a super big deal. Um, he's like, Oh my God, it's my dad. Is that really him? Let me chase after him. I'm going to really run slow after buses on slide on like side six. Time. They must have really slow buses on side six. Yeah. He jogged alongside that thing from one stop to another. I was kind of impressed by that. But, you know, I mean, it's even more impressive that he actually made it out alive because he got sucked out of a colony after it blew up. And yeah, he like he got brain. Well, again, this is a plot point, but he gets brain damage. Um, but he survived. So like somebody had to have like flown by the colony after it blew up and like picked him up. And, and that's within like probably a minute or two of him getting sucked he out. He was of in a normal suit, but he got brain damage from lack well, of like oxygen. The, to me, it's a, he must have gotten like sucked out and either like recovered but a little bit too late. So like he runs out of oxygen or it's very low on oxygen mm. or. So maybe like a few hours of floating in space until his oxygen tank ran right. out. Right. Or maybe, you know, I, I, maybe he was able to, I don't think this is how space works. Forgive me. Like somehow get back into side seven, but again, low on oxygen. I don't think he would be able to propel mm. himself there, but we also don't know side seven's orbital path. Maybe it was, on the way back towards him. Uh, we just don't know. They never explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that this series about uh, space robots and uh, magic is sometimes <laughs> a little loose. Space, space science. Uh, it's, that's a little unforgivable. But this, yeah. This is one well, of those think, things that, uh, hey. I think the last episode um, Luke learned about Lagrange points. This time he's going to learn about brain damage. Yeah, like how oxygen deprivation affects your brain. We should talk. Yeah, we should so talk about Luke's brain damage sometime. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm an expert. So, uh, yeah, so I, I thought it was kind of funny how um, Tam was just kind of like, "I made something that makes the Gundam better," and and Amro's just like, "Oh, dude, he's got brain damage." <laughs> well, he, I think like, he looks at no the stuff. He looks at the stuff and is like, "This is just like a box with some like fuses on mm-hmm. it." Right, so it was clearly junk, um, is what he said. But I'm like, I like how his just immediate, his immediate knee jerk reaction is clearly brain damage. Well, I think, and it's yeah, I mean, it's hard to read into it, but like the series, I think makes a much better, 
um, play for Amaro basically being a genius. The movies don't really do that that part justice like when i mentioned earlier the first five minutes of an episode was amuro explaining how to like optimize the g armor to the entire crew like that's that's like his intelligence shining Mm -hmm. through and i think his dad was probably somebody that was on the same level or or higher than amuro and so now it's just kind of like yeah i I think having just watched origin 2 they stripped away a lot of his like when we originally picked up with the series, it was, I've never seen this technology before, but I'm instantly good at it. Cause I'm so good. Yeah. And then they got rid of that with the movies a little bit. Um, and then they got rid of it with origin even more so. So it's, it's kind of interesting how they kind of re just kind of recast his character as he's only yeah. good because he's magic. Well, and, and the other thing here too, is that the minute Amaro sees Tim again, it's not, Oh, Hey son, I hope you're okay. Gee, what a great reunion. You know, Oh, I missed you. It's hey, how's the Gundam doing? Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually I made a, I made a note here uh, when he, when Tam see uh, Tam sees him, he's like, "Oh, hey, Amuro," and I'm like, "Tam is chill as fuck mm-hmm. about seeing Amuro." <laughs> yeah. Hey, son. Thanks for bringing the Gundam back. Let's fix it. Let's oh, make hey, it son. better. How's it going? I haven't seen you in like eight months, and you've been in a way, war. <laughs> way back when I watched this on VHS tape, uh, like the first time I watched it. I thought this was just the dumbest scene because I missed, I just didn't pick up or maybe the word wasn't in my vocabulary uh, 20 years ago of what hypoxia was. And so I was like, wow, this was a really dumb scene. Okay. His dad went crazy, whatever. Why'd they even put this in here? It wasn't until like the third time I watched it that I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Okay. (laughs) So um, we see Mirai again. Um, he, she, sorry, not he. Um, she sews Bright's shirt for him and delivers it to him. And uh, Bright is confused at this happening. He's like, why would you do this for me? And you can see how smooth Bright um, is because really the thing to do here would be, oh, thank you. And then he like takes his shirt off and he's like, it was getting warm in here. <laughs> um. I wrote here, bright is bad, oh, girl. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote, and this is because Mariah's talking about like how they want to fight in the war. I wrote, Mariah wants to fight. Bright wants to fight. Bright wants to bang. Mariah wants to bang. But not bright. Not at this point. Mm. Although I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that she doesn't want to bang him either. I think she's just like things come up later that makes it easier. For yeah. Me. She's into Slegger right now, which you don't really know at this point watching it, but that was super out of left field, man. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that was super out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a product of its time a little bit, right? Like Slegger is the ace fighter pilot. He's ultra cool. And now we are looking at him and we're like, wow, so- he's like kind of a misogynistic dick. So, so his name, the, the transliteration for it is all swagger. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what they originally meant for his name and persona to be. Yeah. Okay. I like how in, uh, in Thanks. build fighters, Thanks, in build fighters try, there's a dude whose name I don't even remember. And at some point in the show, they just start referring to him as that slugger guy. Because he's drawn exactly <laughs> like Slugger. It's just Slugger, but in that universe. So, All right. So speaking of wanting to bang, 
we see Lala sitting and watching it rain as uh, Amaro shows up at a at some random house in Side Six. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the swan moment. Yeah. And she's emo as fuck. Like she goes, I wrote exactly that. <laughs> Thank- I wrote Lala emo AF. Yeah, I, I I spelled out the AF part, but um, thinking how sad life is, everything must die. <laughs> That was a really weird way to introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, especially like really her, from what we saw in like uh, Origin, she was nothing like this. Like, what the hell? Well, she was not anything like this, and I think they had a much longer introduction for her in the show. Um, this was just immediate. Like, oh, you like birds? Yeah, and everyone's it's, gonna die and burn to death. It's not much ever. longer. They didn't. They did not. They did not cut much here. And the so the subcontext here that again, if you were just watching this movie for the first time, you don't know this at this point, and it's only even mentioned later, kind of in passing. But you know, Lala, since we have seen her in Origin, has been at the Flanagan Institute, which is kind of a precursor to if you know later shows, things like Augusta. And kind of like a new type yeah. guinea pig. And also has presumably at least been in contact with Char or spent more time with him and him. Because he, did, he didn't originally take her to side six, did he? She was, she was on Earth when we yeah. left Origin, yeah. right? And, you know, Char's a bit of a sociopath, so I'm sure spending time with him is probably not great for your mental state either. Um, but anyway, yeah, so now we see her again. And, uh, or if you didn't watch Origin... Uh, see her for the first time and it's you know kind of just like Amaro's wandering around and you got to remember he is a uh, I think calendar wise he is either like still 15 about to turn 16 or just turned 16 um, you know they actually I think someone explicitly asks him oh yeah Char, uh, Char asks him like five okay, minutes yeah, so he would have just 16. turned 16 at this point because I think his birthday's in November or something and we're getting yeah. into the later stages of the war and um, so just you know I mean you guys were 16 year old boys at one point like I you know I, I liked walking around lakes <laughs> when it was raining and finding strange women who talk about death all the time and just you know, I, I guess, oh my I guess gosh. the point I'm trying to make, <laughs> because I think that it's very easy to watch this and think it comes off as very like cheesy. Um, but when you're a 16 year old boy, the instant crush is a thing. And that's sort of what happens here for Amuro. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I think I was probably the same age, maybe a year or so younger when I first watched this. And I thought this was stupid. I was like, wow, this is also very dumb. Uh, but you know the scene in general cleaned up really good on the uh, on the movie Blu-ray. It was they took their time restoring it more so than even the series Blu-ray. It was very very nice to look at. Mm. It was uh, it was it was it was a pretty it was a pretty scene for sure. Um, I just one thing I, I really remember that popped out at me as the rain stopped and Lala's like, Oh, I'm happy again. <laughs> she goes and runs around and Amro's like, man, I want some of that. Yep. He kind of was like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I, I'm, I'm into yeah. it. So, um, Amro takes his car, his buggy out 
um, and gets stuck. And he, some people drive by, and it happens to be Char and Lala. So this is really like the first in-person meeting between yep. them, right? Um, uh, yeah, he recognized Char, but Char at least didn't visibly recognize. He, he, so, so my first note was Char pretends not to know who Almero is, but as the scene went on, I don't think Char actually knew who he was. No. No, he like, at first I thought he didn't even realize, I read the scene as him not even realizing he was a Federation uh, soldier. And then I was like, no, there's, there's no way. And he started making comments about like, oh, seeing an enemy soldier. So he clearly yeah. knew. Well, they, um, I, I, I think they were in the neutral zone. So they knew it was like not worth it to get engaged in a battle. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, yeah. there's a, a quick snippet in the origin manga, which is uh, everything we've talked about so far is volume nine, by the way, if you're following along with that. And uh, there's a part where it's right after he like wants Lala to open up the trunk. And he asks, um, you know, he start he starts to ask Amaro, can you tell me your name? And he, Amaro cuts him off being awkward. And he's like, Oh, it's Amaro Ray. And, there's a panel with Char just kind of looking into the distance and his internal monologue is Amaro dot, dot, dot. And he says, strange. I feel like I know that name from somewhere, but then he just kind of keeps going about his business. So it's Mm. sort of ambiguous there. uh, Exactly what, you know, exactly kind of how he feels about it or if he knows uh, exactly who it is, but like you get a sense that, yeah, I, I got I got the feeling that he didn't comprehend what was going on at that point. Yeah, I mean, because because really, at this point, everything in the show leads us to believe that he would have probably tried to take yeah. Amaro out. Yeah. Right. Um, because, I mean, that that's really his goal. Like, yeah, he, he he wants to kill the zombies and all that stuff. But why would he not take out the Gundam yeah. pilot? At and this point? Uh, he's so focused on that mm-hmm. still. And he's we've already learned he's not that great of a new type. So he doesn't have like some precog thing going on to figure out mentally. That's who that is. Right. So, but yeah, Amaro very clearly knew who Shara was. Um, so yeah, uh, we, <laughs> we get to one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie, uh, where Mariah and her fiance are, um, so white base is going to leave side six and Mariah's fiance is basically like, let me help you guys out. Let me, um, escort you to the edge of the neutral zone. Um, it'll, you know, add, add some protection for you. And she's basically, um, telling him he's stupid and like, why is he putting himself in danger? Um, and then Slager slaps the shit out of Mariah and says, yeah, he like just rolls up and like, don't let her mouth so off I put like a note that. Down, it just says hug 70s lol and then the one of the next lines is as he's talking to, to her fiance hit her hard enough to get her attention oh yeah she he's like he's like yeah you just gotta you just gotta like not let her get too hysterical it's like what am i supposed to do hit her and he's like well yeah just hard enough to <laughs> It was hilarious, and they would never get away with that now. How did he get let onto this ship? <laughs> oh yes, the future clearly is a better place. Very progressive, obviously. 
<laughs> yeah. We haven't even mentioned that I'm pretty sure uh, Lala is like the first non-white person in this entire show. I, first and possibly... I thought the- one of the kids um, had a browner tone. They're all bro- They're all like related, aren't they? No, they're orphans, aren't they? Well, and I guess technically Amuro is Japanese, so... No, 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 Amuro is like Canadian. Well, okay, I know what he looks like, <laughs> but canonically, because this is a show made in Japan about fighting your giant robot, Amuro is Japanese. Right. I could have swore he was Canadian. Man, what do I know? You know more than me, Scotty. I'll defer okay, you. I should say it this way. Amuro was born in Japan. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And Zeon begins following White Base as they're trying to get out. <laughs> After- yeah, so this is that Conscon fleet. Yeah, I, uh, I I had a note here. Um, well, I'll, I'll make a note. I'll, I'll say it in a second. So Zeon initially, so they, they, they talk about attacking White Base inside the neutral zone. Um, and they, for some reason, decide not to act exactly do that. They they basically run sorties, um, basic, intimidating the white base and basically trying to make them fight back. Um, but white base is uh, pretty pretty smart and does doesn't do anything um, offensive. Um, Mirai is very happy um, that Cameron is in space with her now, even though she had just been yelling at him a few minutes ago. It must have been the slap that set her right. Um, yeah, she did. Yeah, sure. and so White Base gets right outside of the neutral zone, um, and they just let it rip and blow up some a Musai, um, because even though the Musai is still in the neutral zone, the White Base is attacking outside of the neutral zone into the neutral zone. Um, yep. Yeah, they actually they they talked about it a little bit about how they were going to attack in the neutral zone. They didn't care. They were going to. And do they it didn't. Anyway. Well, Not- the Zeons start doing that after the white base attacks them. Yeah. They're like, oh shit, it's on. No, no, no. So originally, so before before anybody started attacking, they were they were saying, No, we don't want to do this in the neutral zone. Uh, no, fuck it, we're gonna do it. And they start running sorties against the white base, but they never actually shoot at them. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they were talking about violating the neutral zone but they ended up not doing it they were just basically intimidating the white base and it ended up being the white base that fired first um but it it also ended up being uh the the news shows were um showing zeon fighting from the neutral zone outside of the neutral zone um which was like a nice little piece of propaganda and um so Lala and Char are watching on TV. And I had a, I had a note uh, that Fat Hitler wants to attack in neutral space. So I just wanted to say that because the guy uh, definitely looks like <laughs> Fat Hitler. Conscon is Fat Hitler. <laughs> His mustache seemed a little big, but I think otherwise, yeah. Uh, he had a big nose too. It was, it was, it was lining up. Yeah, but... Uh, so, uh, yeah, we see, you know, when Lala and Char are watching this, that um, you know, Lala can tell that the Gundam will win. Right. So they want to show some of her new type cognition. And the other thing I think that's, it's always been sort of implied to me here at this point is that in the process of Amuro and Lala meeting each other, they may have 
sort of awoken their own abilities further because Amuro owns in this next battle. Like, yeah, he's like suddenly way more new typey. Yeah, he takes out nine Rickdoms and Konskon's flagship. And the rest of the crew takes out like uh, three things. Yeah, and and Shar actually makes a comment several times, but he like he he assigns Lala to making Amuro better. But in, in this case, he also says um, he says Amuro will eventually surpass Lala's abilities, hmm. which I thought was neat. Yep. So is. I mean, so so if you look at it like that, like uh, I think at one point Char also said that Lala will become a better pilot than than um, Char. So by transitive property, Amuro will be a better pilot than Char. So well, yeah, I think that kind of holds as we go through. Oh yeah, some things. Um, so yeah, then Amuro's dad. Uh, he's watching this battle on TV as well. And uh, I'm the winner. I'm the winner. Yeah. So, all right. If you, you just y'all's opinion, movie only. So his dad celebrates in kind of a not a drunken stupor, just a, I have brain damage stupor, I guess. Uh-huh. Leaves his front door, and he does not live on a first floor, and he falls down some outdoor steps. So, based on what you saw in the movie, do you think he is okay? Just on the movie. Um, I felt like the way that they implied it was because he was like, uh, and then he like got quiet and his hand dropped. And they, I feel like they were implying that he died. Uh, based on the movie, I would I would say um, it looked like he just like hurt himself as he was like celebrating. And I I did not get the impression that he died from the movie. Yeah, so I'm I'm with you on just the movie. Sorry, I'm with I'm with Elaine on in just the movie. It didn't seem like it was all that bad of a thing. Uh, manga, I found it because there was a whole panel separation of after he's fallen, showing him with a hand up and then a whole other panel where his hand has collapsed that just the way that it's, uh, the layout is on the page. Mm. It seemed to much further imply there that he's dead. Whereas just the movie you might think, okay, yeah, he's going to go to the hospital and he'll be fine tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's it was the hand falling piece that really I don't know why that really stood out to me and that really gave me the impression that he was dead. Um, and, and I do think that that scene was added into the movie that wasn't in the show. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember the episodes well enough, but he did. I'd have, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't I don't think he ever fell down the stairs in that. Yeah, but regardless, he did. And now Dozel is being sent reinforcements, including. Big Zom. Oh. oh yeah. yep. Getting the Big Zom. Yep. Um, so we we kind of flash over and we see um, Giren and um, Degwin. And it, it seems from this scene in the movie, and it, and it's, it's official later on in the movie, um, but even before Degwin dies, but... Um, Giran has basically taken over everything at this point. Like it, he's, he's pushing, he's pushing. Yeah. Uh, Degwin De- is just a, yeah. Figurehead. 
Is this when he calls him Hitler? <laughs> um, no, no, that's later. Not yet. That's later. Spoilers. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. You, you got to have a little bit of separation between fat Hitler and skinny Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Young, young Hitler. You know, since we positive yeah. that. All right. So now in the show, <laughs> this is fun. Um, so now in the show, you're talking about uh, episode 37, right? Yes. I'm sorry. I have so many pages of notes. I thought I was going to find it. Yeah. Um, and instead it sounded really bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, we're at episode 37, uh, right after the battle of Solomon and which has not happened yet in the movie. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a different ordering here. So in TV, after side six, you go into the Battle of Solomon. In the movie, in the origin manga, you have the white base going over to Texas Colony. Um, and in the case of the movie, they are trying to rendezvous with Joaquin's fleet. Um, presumably, they've gotten their orders on what they're going to do next, or at least they're going to rendezvous with Joaquin's fleet and then get more orders. Uh, so I'm going to go with a two-thirds majority and say that Texas Colony is what happens next. Okay. Um, Bright hits on Mirai some more after this. She says, you can always talk to me, Mirai. I wrote down, um, Bright says, give them a real pounding. <laughs> and it immediately hits on Mirai. Uh, so Shar is headed to Texas Colony. Uh, and at least in, in both the movie and the show, this is fairly consistent. Shar is heading to the colony to pick up Elmeth. Um but he doesn't have any fighting forces. Um, well, in the movie, he does have fighting forces, or at least support. Uh, in the in the movie, in the show, Mukuve has all the fighting forces and is headed to, to Texas Colony as well. Um, in the sh- movie, Mukuve is not here at all. <laughs> You're correct, yeah. So, yeah, Mukuve is... Um not at present for this uh in the manga makuve is dead already uh, he 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 dies uh he kind of just kills himself at the end of odessa and he tries to blow up a nuke um with him and fails and he just blows so, up his own mobile suit so we do get another um let's i guess let's cover the tv show first and then we'll cover the movie do um, we want to do texas because we're at like 42 minutes um, how about let's, let's do Texas TV show and then we'll pick up or, or let's, let's talk about, let's go up to, uh, I have a whole sidebar on Xeon mobile suits that could fit here. Yeah. Let's, let's go up to the end of Makuve in, in the TV show. And then we'll pick up with, uh, Texas in the movie for the next episode. Sure really sounds like no we 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 do great um we we tried i don't (laughs) think we thought i i don't think any of us predicted taking 40 minutes on side six it's mostly my fault sorry um so what what's what's really cool is we get another we we hear about another automatic two-rank promotion um for defeating the gundam (laughs) um and so basically i I don't want to we won't get into too much detail um because this is like so inconsistent between the show and and the movie but makuve gets a really cool uh ms he gets the gyan 
Um, looks like a knight. He can fence. All right. So this is one that I need some listener help or opinions. You said Gyan. I've always said Gyan. And in the dub, it sounds like Makube is saying Gan. Like the Y isn't even there. So I don't know the proper way to pronounce this. I have always said Gan. Yep. Let me let me look at the Japanese pronunciation really quick. And going by Build Fighters again, and Gyan Kid and Gyanko, that's where I was like validated that Gyan was. So um, the Japanese is uh, either Gyan or Gyan. Gyan uh, it's probably Gyan because there's no there's no accent. Okay. It's uh, basically G Y A N in Japanese. There's no like hold out any of these syllables. So I'm going to so, go with Gyan. So it's Gyan and it comes out as Gyan when I say it because I've been in the South too long. Yep. Got it. All right. Uh, so yeah, Makuve shows up in, in Texas colony uh, and he's going to try to kill the Gundam. Um, and Shar also gets his mobile suit and there's like a weird fighting orgy going on. Um, where right. Char does not want to help Makuve, but he also wants to kill the Gundam. Yeah, Char's like thinking, Matt, wow, you know, I'd hope the Gundam would get rid of Makuve, but Makuve is doing really good in this fight. And the, the uh, one thing that I thought the show did a little bit better here, just because of the time that it had, it actually explains better what the hell has happened to Texas Colony. Um. So this colony that we last saw in origin, uh, because this is where Casfall uh, and Sela, you know, were for a while, the mirrors that reflect the light, um, they were damaged and they're all reflecting all of the light inwards all of the time. And it basically made it impossible to, have anything but a completely arid climate. Yeah. And because yeah. the rest of that side is, this is inside five uh, loom. And this is one of the only colonies that like, isn't just a complete wreck at this point. And so everyone just moved. There was no point in fixing it because the whole side is screwed up. Yeah. So yeah, they, they fight for a little bit in this desert wasteland of Texas, which I mean, it's pr probably pretty similar to the way Texas is for the most part anyways. Um, and Gundam gets a very Texas shootout kind of entry to the colony, that long shadow. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like the way the show handled a lot of the stuff better than the movie, just because you get, you get a lot more like, I don't know, more scenery, I guess is the way to put it. But, um, but yeah, so Makuve starts fencing with the Gundam, which we'll talk we'll talk more about towards the end of this movie. Um, if you follow the the TV show with the movie, that you know it, they act like it's the first time uh, Amaro's ever fenced, but he's fenced in the Gundam, so there's a little bit of experience in there, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Uh, I guess Lala tries to stop the fight. Um, she uses her psychic powers and basically tells Amaro and everybody to stop fighting. Why are you fighting? Uh, you should be on our side. Um, and this is as Amaro has Makuve in a bear hug. 
and he, yeah. he he basically just is like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna kill you. And yeah, so basically, Amaro is kind of getting beat back a little bit, and so he ditches his shield and is fighting like he's dual wielding beam sabers at this point, and he hugs the Gien with beam sabers. Yeah. Yep. And then pulls in and goodbye, Makuve. Yep. So that's that's where we'll stop with as far as the show goes. You said you wanted to do a sidebar for for mobile suits. Well, no, no, it was to fill time. Okay. Uh, if we wanted, but it would take too long at this point. Yeah. So I, one thing I did think was interesting oh, is yeah. um, I, I was reading about the history of um, Gyan. There's basically that's. There's one that gets built after that yes. that goes into regular production, but it doesn't really get used very much, I don't think. Um, oh, wow. I'm trying to like. I know, I know that uh, in, and I believe this is origin that this comes up, but I might just be remembering another show episode or something, and and am fuzzy on it. Uh, but Makuve, he wanted to have just something kind of special and you know, with all of the different things they were developing, you know, there, there was a reason that I'm blanking on that Makuve didn't want there to be any more of the Gyan produced. Yeah. So there's, there's one that shows up in double Zeta. Um, and apparently twilight access too. It's the AMX one Oh four Jarja. Uh, and it looks similar. Basically, there's like some that look very similar, but this is like his. Yeah, uh, just like the the quick version of like the mobile suit sidebar, and we can maybe get into this a bit more in the next episode. Uh, so the Gyan is one of the newer suits that's here. We see the Gelgoog, um, but this is also at a point where uh, so Zeon has completed their base at uh, Pezun, which is another asteroid, and they are cranking out some mobile suits and like cranking them out. Uh, so between that being done, they have a lot of prototypes that are going on there. Um, and then kind of after this point, there's a lot of other things going on where they're, you know, trying to just continue to iterate and make better and better uh, mobile suits. So they've got, so they've got the Gilgoog in service. And so they're really already like trying to make something better than the Gelgoog. Um, so they've got a lot of other things like in the hopper. Um, and there's a few things that uh, we'll see a couple of these in. Um, no, sorry, we, we don't. I was, I had scribbled something and almost misread my scribbles. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so they're making a whole lot of stuff at this point. I, I mentioned the descent into madness of like making things with the amphibious suits. I mean, they are, yeah, Garen's going like full on gunplay nerd or and, something. And the Federation really isn't doing the same thing. They're they're still running with a lot of gun cannons and GMs and balls. Yeah, they don't have a lot of. There are a lot of Gundams in development, right. though. And it was always a curiosity to me, and this is just pure speculation. It's never hinted at, but I always wondered because 0080 is set in side six it's a different colony from the one that white base goes to but i always just kind of wondered like was that just a mistiming where 
the Alex was supposed to be there and they were going to pick that up for Amaro. Um, because the, the, uh, our, I think they did imply that the pilot. Yeah, it was meant for Amaro. Um, it was a RX 78 dash NT one, I think, or maybe dash NT. And that was for new type. And it really was, um, like, and we'll see this as we like very shortly as we continue forward. Uh, they knew that the Gundam was going to be like, like Amaro was going to be too much for it. And, uh, so they, started trying to get something else in development and there's a whole other side series about it. Um, well, not directly, but you know, you also see stuff like the, the, uh, the Gundam that's used in Thunderbolt. Yep. Yeah. The Thunderbolt, the Thunderbolt, like the RX 78, whatever Thunderbolt is, is like, it's completely different too. Like there's definitely a variety of stuff happening in the side series. You just never see them. Yeah. Because this is also around the time you would have, uh, I think we're going to do 08th MS team after uh, the main series. And, uh, or I should say first up after the main series, because so much of it occurs during the war. And, you know, so you got the ground Gundam would be in use, if not at this point, very soon. And also the Blue Destiny to retake California base, uh, again, is either in service at this point or very yeah. soon. Um, so they're doing a lot of development of their kind of super new type suits. But most of the other regular forces, they're like, yeah, yeah here's a ball. Enjoy dying. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And, and, you know, most of this is just like, uh, we need another series and the one year war is one of the easier places to put stuff. So, I mean, it is what it is, but <laughs> yeah, they fought, they had really cool Gundams and you never saw them because everyone killed one another, exactly. but now there's new model kits. <laughs> oh, grandpa. When, and, and you see in the Thunderbolt series too, sorry to distract, but like the, all of the, the mobile suits with like the, the double shield the things that are in front of yeah, the full armor yeah. Gundam. Yeah. Yeah, what a great way to reuse parts without having to do work. <laughs> let's let's just include four of the shields. Exactly. I'm pretty sure we got some arms yep. laying around that they'll work with. It'll be fine. Yep, we can give that give that to the uh, Benazir sniper guy. Always needs some arms. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Next time we will pick up. Uh, on Texas Colony again. We'll probably hit up uh, episode thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Uh, as well so um catch up with that and we will check you next time check us out on twitter at new type flash pod uh you can hit me up at skank and monkey scotty i'm a i did the patreon i'm on lane's couch oh yes that's true uh <laughs> and luke uh easy stuff he's not on my couch all right thanks guys i want to be but i, didn't, I couldn't afford the patreon <laughs> See you guys next time.